0: It's the lowdown on Sports 1440. It's the day of Bruces. We've had one Bruce Kerlock in hour two, and Bruce McCurdy joins us now just in time. A lot of people are like, Could you please talk hockey? <laughs> Listen, at the end of the hour, we sort of get a little giddy and we you know we know we're done, so there's that it's like getting out of school, right? Where you know it's you've done all your finals and you have passed probably and You've got just a feeling of there's a release, and that's the final portion of the hour. And that's what you heard And we got into it was your fault, Declan, with your Destiny's Child uh, song.
1: No, it actually was. Most of these situations are my fault. I get you on a tangent and it snowballs. Well, you know, if I I, was a
0: little less feeble minded, this wouldn't happen. But we are here. Is McCurdy there? All right, Bruce McCurdy joins us now from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. Bruce, uh, we we have been told we have to talk strictly hockey. Are you up to that? No. Okay, you are going to exactly go.
2: We got to do a little small talk, Alan. <laughs> Otherwise, it'd just be business.
0: Okay, so we're, we're, what are we listening to this morning? Genesis or King Crimson?
2: Ah, uh, yeah, well, we're listening to uh, to uh, ELO at the moment, and uh, <laughs> um, I was surprised. I looked at Eric up a few months ago, and I saw... I always thought it was Bruce too, but spelled with a G. Yeah. And then this morning when I heard you uh, uh talking up the song, I thought I'm gonna get the backstory. So I looked this up on Jeff Lynn, the great Jeff Lynn, uh, who I've been a fan of since he played with Roy Wood in the move. Yes. Uh he uh uh it's the first yellow song without strings. And it's also the I think maybe the first song with an absolute nonsense lyric like Gruose. <laughs> It's uh, uh, Gabriel Lee's, is what I call it. We're you know, it's, well, vocal sounds don't mean anything; they just make music.
0: Um, I love uh, my, I love ELO. My favorite ELO song is "Evil Woman," and it's because of the piano at the beginning. I love that uh-huh. piano sound.
2: I love that whole album. Face the music just crushes it. Uh, awesome stuff.
0: All right, let's talk a little hockey. Your thoughts? Let's let's, let's start with the training camp roster. Any surprises for you, Bruce?
2: Uh, well, I was a little surprised to see Turi uh, Linden on the list. I mean, nobody's going to confuse him with Trevor Linden. Uh, he's the oldest guy in camp, 26 years old. I mean, he's already ineligible for the Calder Trophy uh, before he even, you know, top up at an NHL camp. So he's a real long shot. On the other hand, he's got a pretty decent track record. You know, he was in NC2A for five years, he missed. One year where basically it was cancelled in whatever division he was in. And he scored pretty well. Like, in his last three years, he was third, first, and second on his team in, in scoring. And what I saw in the tournament, I mean, he did look like a more experienced player, a very good positional player. He seemed to be on the right side of the puck and distributing it to good places. And so why not, I guess, when you get a, a player that age? And I, I would think that the upside for him might be an AHL contract. Very, very unlikely. He would he would land anything higher than that. But he's here already, so, you know, this is as good a camp as any for him to go to.
0: So uh, when I looked at this roster, and, and, and the, you know, there's no Sloan, there's no Stonehouse, and you mentioned Linden, mm. and I... I I I project last year I think one of the problems the Condors had and then they had it again at the rookie camp Bruce is that uh-huh. their defensemen are too young or it's not that they're a poor defensemen but they're not they're they're not qualified to play at the level and they had a lot of AHL contracts playing at, at you know kind of um, higher profile than they should in the AHL last year, too. I like the Hoffenmeyer's in that group, but is there enough defense on this team for two pro teams, one in the NHL, one in the AHL?
2: Uh, well, I think those off-season signings certainly uh, attended to that. You know, they added they added, uh, uh, they added uh, three guys altogether, uh, left-shot defensemen, which was a little bit of a, of a weakness on that team. Uh, I'm with you, that Hoffenmeyer is a, It's a very appealing uh, uh, prospect uh, based on he was signed from an AHL deal to an NHL class deal. So he comes in on an ELC. So he's a guy that they can bounce down to the minors for a couple of years, but he's old enough that he might be able to help a little bit sooner if his game has fully turned the corner that it appeared to last season. So I thought that that was a smart bet. And, Getting guys on AHL contracts, I mean, it's something the Oilers have brought in three guys last year who played games, who originally signed AHL contracts. Yeah. And so, I mean, why not? You've got to add talent somewhere, and this is one of the reasons I was a little bit surprised not to see Sloan and Stonehouse on the training camp roster, because you know what they got in camp from draft picks from the last two years? I know. Six guys. Six guys a total that they got on the, on the uh, draft pick, and only two of them are in camp. Like, they literally have two teenagers in this entire camp. And I, I've never seen the like. Uh, Oilers or really any team that I examine closely usually you have, you know, a few fresh-faced draft choices getting their, you know, getting initiated to the pro uh, game. But with the Oilers right now, it's just, uh, you know, young Bo Akey. Very, very promising. Yes. And, and Nathan Day and goal. And every forward in camp is at least 20 years old. A lot of them are 30.
0: The Bruce McCurdy, our guest, called the hockey at the Amazon Journal on Sports 1440 in the lowdown with low tide. The The roster... Right up until, like, Matty started tweeting last night, for me there was, you know, not a lot of, of wiggle room here for anybody. And then we find out about Gagne, we find out about Brown, then this morning with Ken Holland we find out about Ekholm. And all of a sudden, you know, there, there are, not like there's openings, but there's at least a possibility that the opening night roster doesn't look exactly like we spent the entire summer writing down and going over and over again on.
2: Uh, yeah, I got So, I mean, uh, Eckholm's got three weeks to get over what sounds like a minor injury. He was quoted by Jason Greger, I believe, as saying uh, if it was a regular season game for points, he'd push right through it right now. So I can't imagine. It might be insane to push him right now. I mean, uh, I, he knows the ropes. I mean, it's his first Edmonton camp, but it's not his first rodeo. And uh, so there's no real reason to push him, give Broberg more minutes. Unfortunately, he won't get them with Eckholm at first. Uh, the news on Connor Brown not playing back to back the exhibition game is pretty close to a nothing burger. They have they have two back to backs, including Winnipeg on November or sorry, September twenty fourth and twenty fifth. And the flight to Winnipeg on the twenty fifth will not be laden with oil stars. No, uh, uh, you know they they always send uh, they, You must have heard Jason Strudwick's hilarious story about going to Winnipeg <laughs> today. Laddie Smeed thought that maybe he wouldn't be able to play, and then Smeed wound up playing and. Charlie wound up eating popcorn, <laughs> and uh, he was not too impressed. Anyway, it, 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 you look at the roster from the Winnipeg game for years, and it's always scrubs, it's PTOs, it's guys who you know qualify as, as veterans, you know, like Marcus Niemelainen, and are like on the very – cuffs up a roster, and they meet the bare minimum requirements, and, and Winnipeg fans never see anything resembling an Oiler, no, a real Oiler team for that game in particular, because it's fly to Winnipeg, play Winnipeg, fly back to Edmonton, all in the same day. Can't imagine why that is more popular. So you know the PTOs and the guys that are right on the fringes that are dying for every chance they get, they're on that flight and uh, Connor Browns of the world are not going to be. So it only leaves one other back-to-back in Calgary and Vancouver on the 29th-30th. And I suggest that there will be sort of three flights, one from Edmonton to Calgary, one from Edmonton to Vancouver, and one from Calgary to Vancouver. And the latter one will have you know a few guys left on it, and they'll likely cut cut a few guys after the Calgary game and a few more after the Vancouver game. And that'll actually be one of the larger or two of the larger rounds of cuts in the whole thing. Five games in seven days, and then it's every other day. Yeah. You know, there's no back-to-backs for Brown or anyone. And I I would anticipate zero of the sort of 28 plus year old guys to be playing. Back to backs, unless you know, unless there's you know, one guy that has to do it because you know they don't quite have enough. But it uh, <clears throat> there's no reason to be playing guys in back to back in the preseason under almost any circumstance.
0: Sports fourteen forty lowdown with Low Tide. Our guest is Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. You wrote on Jack Campbell today, and obviously goaltending is going to be a big part of this season. What did you find? <laughs>
2: yeah. I wrote on Campbell right at the beginning of 2023 because I noticed this strange thing that, that his his game went south in like early January of 2022 while he was still in Toronto. And this is maybe a criticism of why the Oilers maybe made a mistake when they signed him in the sense that he had great numbers in Toronto. But in he had terrific numbers in the first half, and then his game went downhill in the second half. And he got hurt. I think he played through an injury because other goalies were hurt. And the Oilers just seem to think, well, he'll just bounce back to his game. Well, that didn't happen. And in the second half of 2022, he was just poor. or Sorry, of the calendar 2022, the first half of last season. But from January 1st on, I just sort of carried on these numbers. What's he done so far in 2023? And counting the playoffs, uh, after being, I think he was... 65th out of 66 goalies in save percentage in, in uh, uh, 2022, after being first of similar number of goalies in 2021, and last year counting the playoffs he was 904, and guess what? The league average was 904. So I would suggest that regression to the mean has already occurred. It just doesn't show up in his full season stats because the start of the season was so bad.
0: So. Because I agree, I agree with everything you said here. Like, like I oh, think that. Wow. Well, no, but I. It, <laughs> it kind of bugs me that that there's a you know jack campbell played poorly for for a lot of last year and he was changing Uh equipment and he was and there there, i I argued not argued but i listened to people argue that they should flush him, they should and they Uh remind you this was a five-year deal he signed and he played one year and I, i it just it i just think that's that's too much i know vegas does aggressive things but that just felt too aggressive
2: yeah, let's trade him and two first round draft picks for John Gibson, who has statistically been about the worst goalie in the entire league for the last three years. Like some of this stuff just didn't make any sense at all. You know, you bite the bullet, you hope he bounces back, but you have really no choice but to go with the guy and then whether he's number one, the one A, the two, or ultimately uh, the three, that has to be yet to be determined and they got lots of games to determine this and, and one thing we all have to keep in mind is you don't win the Stanley Cup in October or even December, you know, obviously you don't want to fall behind. And the Oilers, one of the big objectives this year is not to stink in December so that they're not fighting uphill in the, in the second half of the season. But they've got time, right? You don't have to ice your very best, very, very best team in game one. you got room to experiment with the Raphael Lavoie. You've got room to try both of your goalies and, you know, go back and forth with him and figure out which one is your, you know, playing the best at the time. And last year at times that was Jack Campbell in the second half of the season. And this is where I, where I sort of encountered internal resistance on him regressing to the mean in the second half of last year in January, starting in January, he won his first nine starts of 2023 and then he went on an absolutely horrendous streak where the Oilers went 0 2 and 3 in his five starts. And they scored four or even five goals in all of those games and they lost them all. And that's when Jack Campbell lost the coach. And after that, they started using him only in, uh, in games against weak opponents, you know, San Jose, uh, Arizona, Anaheim, Anaheim, I think it was. Uh, But he got a shutout. He got a one-goal-against game in early April. And in the playoffs, he never earned a single start. or He never got a single start. But every game he came in relief, he got the job done. He only let in two goals in the playoffs in, like, 120 minutes. And so it was a really – even the second half was sort of really good, really bad, really good. And he was on a yo-yo. So to say he's regressed to the meme, he's actually yo-yoing around it. Uh, so he's still got work to do, and a little bit more consistency would go a long way in earning back that trust from the coaching staff.
0: Final one for you, Bruce McCurdy from the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. I, I've i been observing this Edmonton Oilers organization for a long time, and I admit that in my brain I start putting things together and creating a scenario out of very little. But it feels to me like when Ken Holland talks about Brandon Sutter, he's projecting him a little beyond what what is reasonable. And I I mean, he admitted today oh. that, that he doesn't know where he is physically, but I, my, my worry is they're going to, they're going to wish him right into the starting lineup opening night. Do you think there's any chance this team, because of the need is so great. And because in theory, he is such a great fit that they're going to end up doing something silly.
2: Well, I don't necessarily even think that's silly if it's opening night. As I said before, you got a little time to experiment. I think I do think it's silly if it costs some Raphael Lavoie on the waiver wire. Now that would be a big mistake, you know. For for uh, that, but given the guy a look is not the worst thing. I fully expect we'll see all we need to see, and and uh, you know, in those eight preseason games or however many of them he winds up playing in. Uh, you know, in theory, Holland's is right. If he's anywhere close to peak Brandon Sutter at, uh, you know, some salary close to NHL minimum, that's a heck of a deal. Uh, trouble is he's about eight years removed from being peak uh, physical Brandon Sutter. He's two and a half years removed from playing an NHL game. Uh, he was not the speediest guy out there, and he's gone through two years of long COVID now, Uh You'd like to think, well, he's all rusted up now, but who knows what the heck he was dealing with during those two years. So it might be a pipe dream. It might be just a matter of the guy wants up one last kick at the can and Holland's giving him one. And uh, uh, I think likely, frankly, is that he gets the Jason Demer yes. deal and gets an extended ATO or PTO or whatever they call it in the American League and goes down there and... and uh, Mentors uh, Jaden Groob, you know, and, and uh, uh, does the does the true professional kind of role model thing, and then we'll see where he's at in you know end of November, whenever the twenty five games runs out, and that that or sort of, to me the likeliest of the several options, with the second likeliest being just that he's released. Which is uh,
0: which one of us is going to write a, a a story with the headline "Shake Your Groob" thing first, you or me?
2: <laughs> That's going to have to be you, Alan I got stories up the yin-yang I just wrote one on the goalie I just wrote one on training camp roster And now I'm just sitting down to write one On uh, Charlie Huddy and Doug Waite Being named to the Oilers Hall of Fame which, which is great Terrifically deserved by both of these fine men And I'm looking forward to writing about
0: them is, Do you have a story on either? We don't have time for both But it, like, I know I loved Huddy But I also loved Weight. Different eras, but loved both
2: yeah, uh oh, Huddy, 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 I loved Huddy. And I, I would still I think I would still maintain he was the best free agent signing in the history of the team. And certainly as an un you know, as an amateur uh entry level free agent, uh no question. I mean he came in here, he played a little bit down in Wichita and then uh before you know it he was up here and being a, a very major contributor to all oh, five Stanley Cup champions in Edmonton. And uh, uh, just a wonderful sort of foil for uh, Paul Coffey, you know, enough offense in him to really compliment Coffey, but also able to to clean house in his own end of the ring. And honestly, uh, of all of his many myriad skills, Charlie Huddy, his ability to keep the puck in at the blue line uh, was just off the charts great. He's one of the best I've ever seen at that particular black art. Bruce
0: McCurdy, Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it.
2: Thank you. All. Have a great week.
0: All right. There goes McCurdy. I thought we were going to get into an argument over what was silly, which would have been silly. Some interesting information there. I mean, you could project based on what McCurdy said that Gagne and Sutter could end up in the minors and Ernie could make the team. Do you know that Adam Ernie is here on a PTO and there was an Adam Burt? So there was a Burt and Ernie named Adam in the NHL at one time.
1: That is kind of funny. Well, that's kind of funny. I, I, that would be a good Jersey combination. The Burt and Ernie side by side. It would, right? That would, that'd be a good one. Yeah, I like that. That's a fun fact. That's a good fun fact of the right. day. I like that.
0: Uh, on the way, Joanna says, lighten up, everybody. We'll tell you what it's all about next. This is the lowdown with Low Tide on Sports 1440. 123. It's the lowdown on sports. Fourteen forty. I'm Alan Mitchell here until two o'clock. Jason Gregor will be by. That'd be a good question. You know, when we're on tangents, which we do a lot. We, which is your favorite? Which of the three main songwriters in Fleetwood Mac is your favorite?
1: Well, I mean, only one of them wrote "Edge of 17, right? Stevie she's, Nicks. She's so it's got to be her.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. I, I, I love Christine McVie, and it hurts me to say it. Yep. And Lindsey Buckingham is fine, and you know what? But the women were way out in front of him.
1: Lindsey Buck—I mean, Holiday Road, Lin- the Lindsay yeah. Buckingham song that they play at the end of every vacation movie—I'll never get tired. Of. I still, I still listen to it sometimes.
0: Uh, my favorite thing Buckingham did with Fleetwood Mac is the guitar solo in "Go Your Own Way." Yeah, where it starts and it's kind of really loose, and then it goes yeah. wild later. But I f- always feel like I'm, I'm cheating on Christine McVie when I say Stevie Nicks. But yeah. you know, it's a um, tough
1: call to make. But I mean, I think so you made the right ideas, choice, so, oh. Gypsy
0: Sarah. Um, you know, the and then, Chain then is my Christine, favorite. Well, and, and you know, Landslide. But then Christine McVie wrote Over My Head, which is a great song. Yeah, that one is good, too. You know, They're so great.
1: Good. Do you remember what you were doing when Rumors came out?
0: I do. As a matter of fact, yeah. I have a story. Can I tell you a really quick story? I would
1: love a quick story. We got, uh, you know, we've heard from the text line. We've got to okay. get back to hockey, but <laughs> I would love it.
0: This is not about hockey at all. So my dad um, had uh, a sister. Ethel was her name. Uh, and she lived in Radisson, Saskatchewan. And we used to, when we'd go to Saskatoon, my friend Terry would always come with us, and we'd go by, Terry and I would come, go and buy records at the Bay, or whatever the record store was in the mall. And so it was a kind of thing, and I'd go with his parents when when he would go. And so this one time, my dad was going to, we were going to Saskatoon, but my dad was going to stop in in Radisson and visit, you know, his sister, my Aunt Ethel. And so... He said to me on the Sunday night, "Son, we're going for we're going up Saturday. Uh, don't invite Terry because it's going to be kind of a family thing." And I knew my dad. If I if I invited Terry, he'd let him come. And that's exactly what happened. Saturday morning, Terry's at the back of the driveway. My dad sees him. Jump in, Terry. Let's go. And my dad, because of that, he had to take a day off work at at CN. On the Monday, because he had to go visit his sister because he didn't stop. And I had to move lumber. I had to bang nails out of old lumber. I had to straighten nails and put them in a Roger's syrup can. I was in trouble the whole summer because of that. And it was a small, you know, thing that I did, but not to him.
1: And the whole summer's ruined because of it.
0: Totally. The summer of youth. (laughs) Brutal. It was like, well, whatever 77 was. I was like 15, I guess. Something like that. (sighs) Low Tide. Tell people to lighten up. We survived the summer without sports talk. We can listen and laugh to your stories. You do crack me up. Well, thank you, Joanne. I appreciate that. Just dropping a line to say thanks for coming back. The English language lacks the words to express how empty my days were without sports radio to pass the time. These are all very kind. Do you think Gregor's in there writing this stuff and just sending it in? I like to think so. I less, like to think so. Less sports, more sun, moon, and stars from Riley and Spruce. If if McCurdy sent you the name of the song, the plodding almost endless song with notes that didn't match song, that it was an outer space tune that we used to play behind him that became laborious and people would yell at me when we played it. If we could find that again, would you play it?
1: I think I think I could make that happen. I could do that.
0: One of my favorite things Low Tide can do is spot on impersonation of Bruce McCurdy, and I do, And you know what? He's so kind; he never says anything to me. But I, I imagine he's somewhat mildly irritated by it. I'll say, Bruce, what did you think of uh, of the uh, rookie, the all rookie young stars tournament in Penticton? And he'll go, Well, Al, I, uh, I feel like it was really good. <laughs> And he's still my friend, and I and I do that all the time. And I have not done it in his presence because, you know, I mean he may rain down blows upon me, but he's a good man and he puts up with me. We LT, really? I don't know what I said, but sometimes we use the word we when we shouldn't. Who's Tide's producer? Props, quick, clever, brief. He's rock solid. Don't lose him. I know. I Look, I know talent when I hear it. I told him my, two weeks ago.
1: The funny thing about that text is it came in and we, it was spaced out. So it said, who's Tide's producer? Then it just had the ellipses. So I'm looking at it thinking, oh, here we go. I'm getting shipped out of town. It was fun while well it lasted, out of Dodge. But a, a wonderful text, very kind. and I, appreciate I, had, I think the much. same person DM'd me
0: because they said... Who's your producer? Quick, clever, brief, rock solid. Don't lose him. And it sounds like the verbal's the same. I mean, I'm not an investigator, but it no, sounded no, but you'd similar.
1: You'd be a good one. No, okay. it's very nice. The one thing I don't know if I'm that brief. I think I ramble a lot, but I'm happy if people think I'm keeping keeping it concise.
0: Here's what you do: is you don't you, you. It's it's like hockey. The play doesn't die on your stick. Yes. And as a matter of fact, there are times when you're very clever. Uh, and and move it forward, and and uh, the punchline is yours. Well, and I'm the straight man. I,
1: which, I get by with you a little know. help from my friends, and that's what you're here for. Well, so.
0: You're not Joe Appreciate Cocker, that. but you're you're pretty <laughs> damn solid. Sam Pollock overrated, easy to pull off trades and moves he made. Always dealing up from a position of power, being with the Canadians in the '70s allowed him to bully the rest of the league. From Bootsy, I totally agree. Thank you, and he. This is hockey and I'm going to go on a rant, but I will never forgive the National Hockey League. Never forgive the National Hockey League for the 1967 expansion draft. I'm going to tell you something and you're not going to believe me, but I'm right. And I got it. And it's in the Montreal Gazette, June 6th of 1967. I looked it up on microfiche. That's how, that's how nerdy I am. So Sam Pollock was entrusted by the NHL, the general manager of the Canadians, entrusted by the NHL to come up with the expansion rules. And he did. He did. He said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to protect nine forwards and four defensemen and one goalie, and then the teams can pick their rosters off the rest of our group. And the NHL owners said, okay. And then right at the last minute, they said, ah, we're giving up too much. So he figured out the expansion draft down to the absolute minute detail. The last player he pulled back who was not available because he was too young to be drafted until after the pick was was pulled back was Jacques Lemaire. He was pulling back Hall of Famers at the end of his pullback list, and he created the rules. He did it. 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 I'm not saying it's the crime of the century. I am saying that somebody in the National Hockey League had to understand that giving the general manager of the, one of the six original six teams, and I know what that sounded like, one of the original six teams, the right to make the rules. And he did, and everybody else who the Bruins got screwed over. The Hawks didn't have anybody. Detroit was mixed up, and so was New York. But the Bruins got killed. They lost Bernie Perrant in that expansion draft and Doug Favell. And I'm not over it yet, which tells you a lot. Could you please talk about hockey? I am talking about hockey. From Dealey Stan. Are you looking forward to the first Vegas game and the initial interaction between Leon and Alex? Ah, You got to move on. They, They have to win the game. They have to beat Vegas in the standings. I'm the original Big John. How on earth do we settle this? Apparently there's two Big Johns texting the show. Don't thank the CBC for anything. They suck. Should be defunded. Well, I could... I, 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 it's not possible for me to disagree more with the text than that one. Whatever you think about the CBC, they're brilliant. Their radio is brilliant. Any of the specials that they've ever done, including the Avro Arrow and all the other ones, are Brilliant. The CBC, you can get mad at the CBC all you want. There's things to get mad at the CBC about. Whenever they go on strike, it's the lead story on the national. That's too much. Having said that, the CBC is an important part of our nation. And that's a fact. So I will defend the CBC forever. And I know that's not popular because of whatever reason. And I don't care. I love the CBC. We need that. It's like, do you listen to NPR ever?
1: Not really. I understand no. how popular it is, but it's not something I really gravitate towards. Well, my kids do, and it's really good. And CBC is, too. I'm sorry,
0: but it is good. Listen to the CBC. you find out about what other people are thinking. And I know nobody wants to do that anymore, but it's important. I can send Declan part of the song if he needs it, Okay. Coffee was my absolute favorite player. Every report in school was about him he He had this thing where he he fit his skates like his he just shoved his feet into these smaller skates, but man, he could wheel. Don't bring us down, Declan. This is the season of if. Too many players get excited about that are overcoming previous injuries, all while stepping back from their playoff roster and opening up the holes in the lineup they filled at the deadline. Must find grit. D-zone faceoff, man. Identify the top line. All is good if the prospects can fill those holes. Yeah, Scott, you're right, but you know, Vegas had more questions than anybody at the beginning of last year, and they won Stanley. I understand what you're saying. And look, I, here's, here's the here's the issue. Betting against the orders has been good for business for a quarter of a century. That's a fact. But they've never had this team. You could argue, I know they have the best player in the game, but they might have the two best players in the game. And Connor Yamamoto was hurt last year, and they had to get out from under the contract. And it was ugly the way they did it, but Kostin wasn't going to sign here, and they end up getting Connor Brown, who's a really good replacement for Connor Yamamoto. So I under like if you want to if you want to hammer away at Oilers management all day I will not stop you. However, there are good things on this roster and they did good work this summer. This is also true. It's like a relationship. Nothing is always perfect and nothing is always so bad that you can't get back. That's the way you should feel about the Oilers, I think. But understand That in 1984, when they won the Stanley Cup, the beginning of that, the beginning of the year, the beginning of the season during training camp, there was worry. There were things that people weren't sure of. You know, Kevin Lowe almost gets sent out in 1979-80. He was making mistakes. I remember it. And Glenn Sather said something I'll never forget. He said, yes, Kevin Lowe is making mistakes. But the trick is, for young players, is to make them and then not make them again and again and again. And that's what Kevin Lowe did. Kevin Lowe, by the time he played five years in the league, he had five years' experience, not one year's experience, five times. And that's the same question we can apply to Philip Broberg and to Dylan Holloway and all of the young players on this roster. And you know how we find out? Jay Woodcroft puts them in the lineup, and they play. And they'll tell management, and they'll tell the coaching staff what they can count on and what they cannot count on. Right, Declan? Absolutely correct. Couldn't yeah. have said it better. Myself. How long have you been in radio? Three years. So you have three years experience. Nobody can say to you, Declan Kruger, in the year of our Lord, 2023, September, you don't have three years' experience because you do it, and it shows every day. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I you mean, are the I Kevin do. Lowe of this conversation. Okay. I'll take oh. it. Yeah. All right. So sure, do we. we have what Gregor's kind of have? I'm sure he has guests.
1: Do we have his uh, lineup? Yes. Yeah, what. we absolutely do. Here, I can uh, I can get into that right now for you. Sure. Coming up at 2:20, he's got Buster Olney, ESPN MLB analyst, uh, big-time MLB reporter. Tyler Uremchuk from Oilers Nation going to be on at 2:40. There, who is it? Big guest of the day is going to be in studio from three until four. 4:20, Ian Furness uh, of 93.3 KJR Seattle. They're doing around the NHL with him. Spec at five, and they're hoping to hear from Charlie Huddy to get him on at 5:20. So, going to be a good show.
0: Charlie Huddy was a great. You know, McCurdy mentioned it, but he was a great. Great great Edmonton Oilers, he truly was. It's in the book.
1: Ring for every hand, ring ring for every finger on his hand. (laughs) Ring for every hand, ring for every finger on his hand. Yeah, that's a song. Just one hand though. Just one
0: hand. (laughs) Okay, Uh, we're we're having fun today. Uh, We're out of guests, but we have lots of your comments on the way, and I wouldn't mind taking another lash at the Oilers' uh, training camp list because I think it's important that we drill down on some of the things that are there. And some of the things that are not there looking for balance lowdown is driven by wolf gmc buick new name but same great team find them on the corner of 184 street and stony plain road wolf gmcbuick.com we'll take a break this is the lowdown with low tide on sports 1440 it's 140 this is the lowdown our final segment the cool down segment you wouldn't know it from the song that our friend is playing love that stuff very good she was the best she was she really
1: was still is yeah, you're Time right. After is. Time. Oh, that's my favorite. It's my favorite. Always will be. Goonies Are Good Enough, the song she did for the Goonies. True that Colors is, is
0: really good. I don't think she wrote it, but it's a great song for anybody. Like Whoever wrote that song about themselves is really like introspective and self-aware. Really
1: the, a good song. The band that played on She's So Unusual, that album, mm-hmm. went on to be the Hooters, if you know that band. And yes, I released, do. Yeah, I released I a couple of stuff. So. Do Pretty
0: you know cool. that... Um, Elvis Costello's My Aim is True, which was his first album. Mm-hmm. The backup band was a group called Clover, and they were in England to play a, a tour, and most of Clover played on My Aim is True, and they became Huey Lewis in the News. No way. Yeah, yeah. Wow,
1: uh-huh. I didn't know that. That's yeah. crazy. That's okay.
0: Believe That's a fun me, one. You're you all- are going to be inundated with useless information about rock and roll history. You are filled with fun facts today. Yeah, I'm filled with something. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> uh, the problem with the CBC is it's all liberal skewed. And if they don't do it that way, they won't give them any money. Okay, Mike. Um, you know, there was a time in this fair land, aside from the railroad not running, that we would listen to other points of view. And I still think that's wise. I, I'm, I'm sincere I don't think everybody is black and white in terms of their views I think there's a lot of crossover and we'll get back there because love is love and you you know you've got to do Thanksgiving and Christmas and lots of times you're going to be you know confronted with somebody who doesn't agree with you about something and understanding the other side used to be a thing too we might want to get back to that it might be an idea. Glad to have you back on the radio, Low Tide. Listening to you on the way home from Seattle and B.C. Went to Seahawks and Mariners games last week. I have not been to the Seahawks because I could never get tickets. But I've been to many, many, many Mariners games. And I love Major League Baseball. I love it. I love it. I love it. So good. So good. I wish there was a... a, like, I guess what's the closest one? Seattle or Denver? What's the closest major league team? I think geographically it is Seattle. Okay. So then Vancouver has to get one because I would fly there on a Friday to watch. Like, I know your would be there every day. He'd have a satellite office there, but man. It is just, it's because even if the game's bad, you're still having a beer. Chances are you're talking to somebody you like. It's a good atmosphere. The field itself is gorgeous. It's just all green. How can you get mad at that? With some lime. Not the lime you put in a drink, but you get the point. Is it lime or lime? Lime. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for ticking up sticking up for the CBC. I I don't like I'm I'm in my 60s. And and I will tell you in rural areas the the CBC might be the only radio you get. At least when I was young. And it 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 does provide it, it like if you go back and I don't know who um decided it would be the CBC and it would be across country back in whenever they ran radio across the nation but might have been CD How who was a piece of work. But it is important to our nation. It is. It's important. CBC is an important part of Canadian culture. Damn right it is. And how many, like, I, I'm not asking you to remember the White Oaks of Jalna, because I remember it, but there have been great, the Avro Arrow, how many great, the Rocket Richard one, how many great, great, great shows is CBC. I think Anne of Green Gables was was CBC. Like It's it's a part of our culture And it reflects it There's a lot of great And the, the radio is fantastic And I say that as a radio guy for 43 years Miles Davis did a beautiful version of Time After Time So good His version Whoa. of Summertime is so good Miles Davis will do a beautiful version of
1: anything That's just Miles Davis I don't know I don't think he'd do a great version of Flight of the Bumblebee Oh, I think he would That's how good he is <laughs> I think Herb Alpert
0: played the hell out of that. I don't think there's anything left. Okay, I I promised you a look at the roster. Just kind of overview, because it's like a lot of names, as you imagine. But uh, there are some things on there. Uh, what What I always look for when I see the roster for training camp is what is balance and how close are they? And here's what... My first blush is the goaltending is uncertain, but it's more veteran than it was a year ago. Stuart Skinner was nominated for a Calder Trophy, so he's been good. And I do think, as my friend Bruce McCurdy has an article today for the Cult of Hockey at the Edmonton Journal, there'll be some regression in a good way from Campbell. So whatever their save percentage was a year ago, I think it will be better this year. And I do think Olivier Rodrigue is emerging as a legit NHL prospect. And they've got Calvin Pickard, the veteran, in case they need a third goaltender. So I think goaltending could be a positive in this season, or at least not a drag. Defense is interesting because I like, what, I like the seven players. I just think they might have to end up in a different order. And I think the order might be Darnell Nurse. With Evan Bouchard Hear me out Matias Akholm with Philip Broberg Playing on the right side And then Cody Ceci and Rhett Kulak As a veteran third pair That's pretty rock solid And Vincent DeHarnay Who's a great penalty killer And a big man with a tremendous wingspan If you're going to get by him You better pack a lunch That's how long it takes I like the defense on this team now, at center, they're ridiculous. McDavid, Sidle, Ryan McLeod is very good. And we'll see about the fourth. McCurdy surprised me with his support of Sutter today. Not that he was supporting him, but that, that, you know, if there's something there, keeping him on the roster isn't the least wise thing they could do. Now, on left wing, you've got Kane and Ryan Nugent Hopkins to start and probably Holloway or Fogel as a third line guy. That's very good. Very, very good. And then you've got Yanmark, whose boots are a little slow, but he's a veteran guy and he can penalty kill. On the right side, you have Zach Hyman and Connor Brown. If he's healthy, I do think he'll be an upgrade on Connor Yamamoto. Then you, I think you have to put Raphael Lavoie in there. You can move Fogle over to the right side and put Derek Ryan on the fourth line and then not have Lavoie on the roster. But I think it'd be a mistake. You're cutting off your nose to spite your face. I know he's new. I know he's not proven. You gotta play him. They can afford to. They're, they're going to win or finish second in the division. If he's not playing well, then send him down. But if he is, keep him. He might end up when there's an injury or say Brown gets hurt during the year, you might be so happy that Raphael Lavois wasn't, you know, placed on waivers and lost forever. There's real danger there, I think. I think that's one of the key components of this year's training camp. Mark Posey. Listen to Low Tide and Bruce McCurdy on on Sports 1440. Now I've got an ELO earworm. It's tough because they have so many great, can't get it out of my head. Um, I mentioned Evil Woman, Living Thing, anything from like Last Train to London. You love Mr. Blue Sky. I love Mr.
1: Blue Sky. Yeah. Mr. Blue Sky, please tell us why. Can't go wrong. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Um, a little more synth poppy, but I had the I had the I had the gist. I
0: don't know if you had the I I think maybe I didn't have the soul. Well, well, that's no, what it, was lacking. I I think you had the soul, but it 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 goes it goes higher and then lower. I you were sort of that. in the middle there. I know I can't hit the falsetto like well that. because we're not singer because we have trained our voice to do something else. Mm. That's what I tell people. Mister Dress Up was on CBC end of argument. I always thought Casey was a bit of an ass. You know, can I say that? Well, he did, so it better be okay. I just, I, I felt like that. I know there was an edgy thing to it, and Finnegan didn't say a word. But I felt like Finne, it, it, Casey was irritating. I know that that, um, what was that show that my kids watched that irritated the hell out of me? Caillou. Oh, I could not watch that show.
1: Did you watch Caillou? Yeah, I watched no. Caillou as a kid. Obviously, I mean, what's why is it so, why is it so divisive? What was wrong with Caillou? He's just a kid hanging out.
0: Caillou was like Casey's cousin. (laughs) I can't get into this because people are going to love this and it's going to be big Turk all over again. Uh, Low Tide, one game last year, you worked the pregame show on the radio for the Oilers. Are you going to be doing any of that again this year? Uh, Probably not. To be honest with you, I did it. I did it. I've done it a few times. One time I did the post game show was that's how my rant came about where I said the power play can go to hell. I was so mad. They they had gone into Christmas playing well and they came out of it and they couldn't put two and two together. It was very upsetting. And but then they straightened down and they played well. But that particular night, I, I I think that you have to have a designated pre and post team and we may get there. That's a Gregor question but I don't think I would be a part of it. That's my that's my feeling on that. If you love Major League Baseball, why don't you marry it? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't read the last part. I read the first part and not the last part, which makes jokes much better and more dangerous. The Log Driver's Waltz is the best thing CBC ever did from DevTron. I agree with that. Kate Nana McGarrigal's song, and then I don't know who did the animation, but...
1: Do you know what I'm talking about? Not really. Okay. But I was, I didn't want to interject.
0: No, that's okay. But I mean, it, it tells me I should move on because you don't know what I'm
1: talking no, about. No, 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 that's okay. It's not my show. They used you, to have, you talk about what you want.
0: CBC used to have, or all, all television stations used to have period, times where, where a show would end and they had 12 minutes and they had vignettes. Some of them were like, hinterlands who, who's who was uh have you heard of those wee the snowy yes, owl you okay. know stuff like yeah. that so this the the dog driver's waltz was a kate and Anna McCarrigal song probably three minutes and they they had a guy driving logs at first you see the video and then it turns into animation and it's quite the deal the idea the log driver is quick on his feet and the ladies love him that's the idea kate and Anna McCarrigal brilliant artists Good day, gentlemen. Always a day late and a dollar short. Reading yesterday's topic about chocolate bars, Mr. Mitchell. Do you remember the chocolate chunk bars, Eddie Cheddar? I do. I I don't. I they were. I I think there was three of them. Was there three? I do. They were good. I don't know. Remember. I don't remember what they taste like, though. I remember liking them. I don't want to get too specific, but I do remember liking them. You guys are starting to sound like a broken record. Well, I've heard that before. As long as the Oilers have Nurse and this goaltending tandem, they're not winning the Stanley Cup. Remember, they couldn't get out of the second round. Well, see, that's what I said about, you know, if you want to bet against the Oilers, fill your hat. I'm telling you they're close to winning a Stanley Cup. And you can either, you can either embrace that or you can say no damn way. And if they don't win, you'll be right again. But this is a really good team. I don't know if they're better. I don't know whether Holland will make them better at the deadline. But by any measure, this team has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I think that's the big breaking news story in this town today, along with Trey Ford and others. But they announced their training camp roster. We've been talking the hell out of it, as we should. And I think this Edmonton Oilers team could win the Stanley Cup. Do they need some breaks? You bet. Every team does. Vegas was a mess last summer. And look what they did. The, the the argument that the Vegas Golden Knights depth is better, amen, I I hear you. However, the, the top end of the Oilers roster is so good, they can overcome that. You can do it, you know. You can actually do that. The Bruins did in 1970 and 72. The Edmonton Oilers can do it now. They are that good at the top end. Connor McDavid is going to win a Stanley Cup. It's just a matter of year. And of course, if you're an Oilers fan, you would like him to do it here. Expect goaltending to be the story by mid to late November. Book it. Skinner will need help. Let's hope Campbell proves me wrong. Randy from Brooks. I, I understand that feeling, but I, I I think that it I think the organization is correct to give Campbell the opportunity. Haven't heard a coffee on the way to work. Declan, update. What are you drinking now?
1: I haven't got coffee on the way to work as much. I've just been using the coffee machine here, so my safe to say my problems are solved.
0: Now, are you contributing to the fund? Because that'll become an issue.
1: Oh, yeah. I put money in the piggy bank. And I'm going to bring in some coffee beans. Not grounds, beans. Do they have a bean grinder here? I don't know, but I think it could be a fun office activity if we all got together and ground them ourselves. But this is what's going to happen.
0: You're going to bring in coffee beans. Nobody's going to have any grinder, and it's going to end up being like
1: a a paperweight. It's the thought that counts. The gesture will be there. But one day, my conscience will be clear. One day, you
0: will open, you will wake up, and you'll get out, and you'll walk around your house, and you will have sixteen thousand things like that coffee you mentioned, and you won't have thrown any of it out. And then where you will be, you'll be where I am, which is a bunch of stuff that you need to throw out.
1: I don't know how this transitioned into me instantly becoming a hoarder, but I don't think that's necessarily (laughs) true.
0: Well, it all, it's six degrees of whatever is wrong with you. That's the show, Declan. Uh, okay. I want to thank our guests, both Bruce's, Kerlock and McCurdy. Uh, tell you that we're back tomorrow with bagged Milk and more. Jason Greger is on the way and it's time now for a sports update.